Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Remember, this is going to be unedited. Yes, unedited. Uncut and raw. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That was really good. <clears throat> Thank you. I thought I'd throw in at least one fucking stupid thing at the beginning, so because we can't edit it out. So here we are on a Wednesday in the <sighs> podcasting Chloe's room. Yeah. I wonder if they can hear this behind my head. The only reason we're here is because I just didn't want to get up. The only reason we're here is because we're fucking team mystery. And we gotta do it. <laughs> we just high-fived. Uh, yeah, that was pretty weak, but I guess it would also be annoying on a recording. And, uh, something? Kinda. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, what? I'm Mario. I'm Chloe. This is Mystery Murdery Thingy. Welcome. 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 <laughs> we talk about mysteries. We talk about mysteries. And murderies. And thingies. And thingies. And mysteries. And mysteries. And then sometimes some murderies, too. And sometimes some murderies. Who, I don't um, know why I'm just copying everything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I stole that joke from Ben on last podcast on the left. You know, I don't know if you, you notice he does that a lot. Where he'll just like say like the exact same thing that Henry just said or Marcus just said. <laughs> and then they just laugh about it and be like I've got a question the thing that you just said right back to you you know what I mean yeah sure 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 sure, sure. yeah cool 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 so cool, cool. I'm um, really excited yeah mine. and I don't know what it is yet no but I still think you should go first uh, that's what I was gonna say too okay okay I'm gonna go first Okay, so <laughs> this is like kind of an emerging mystery. So recent, it's it's both very recent, but also started a long time ago. So okay. it's pretty it's pretty cool. And what I think is that I'm gonna do it right now, and then if something like major comes out about it next week, next year, I mean, fuck, whenever we find the other half of this mystery, then I'll do the second parter. That'd be cool. So it's just kind of a suspended kind of first part because this one is exceedingly mysterious. Okay, I'm excited. Yes. So I am doing the mystery of Joseph Newton Chandler the Third, so called. Is he royal? Is he royalty? It kind of sounds like <laughs> that, right? Joseph Newton Chandler the <laughs> Third. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that not not that, but Joseph Newton Chandler the Third, I'm doing air quotes because you can't see me. Did die in his bathroom, in his apartment in East Lake, Ohio, on July 24th, 2002. He was 76 years old, and he died by suicide by shooting himself <gasps> through the roof of his mouth. Oh, God. Looking himself in the mirror. Oh, my Boom, God. right through the back of his head. That's fucked up. Yeah. 
But before he did that, he snapped all the locks on his windows, all the locks on his doors. He also marked the day on his calendar. And most fucking bizarrely, he also shut off his air conditioning. Now, mind you, this is summer in California. It's very hot. Ew. And clearly he knew that his corpse was going to be rotting until they found it, which eventually did happen on July 30th. So it was in there for fucking six six days. days? Yeah, almost a week. Ew. So his body was extremely badly decomposed when the police did eventually find it. So much so that they actually couldn't even get fingerprints off of his hands. It was just like fucking mush. Ew. Yeah. It was like, uh, you know, like a, like a bad melon that you open up and it's fucking gross inside. <laughs> just think about it. Picture it in your mind. No, no that's really gross. Okay, I'm bringing myself out. Okay. <laughs> um, so the man who was known as Joseph Newton Chandler the Third. Joseph Newton Chandler the Third. Joseph Newton Chandler the Third was most recently an electrical engineer and was also just a really, really fucking bizarre person. Like eccentric is a very mild term to use. That was like one of the words that came up when I was reading about him. And uh that's like putting it fucking very lightly. Um he was a loner, apparently had Few, if any, friends at all did not talk to anyone, just went in and did his job and went home. Uh, he was okay. apparently extremely smart, according to his co-workers. Um, he was, like, an engineer and a draftsman, so he was just, like, really, really, like, detail-oriented and, like, really, really smart. But, again, very strange. And one of the things that let people know that Joseph was a bit off was that he would sit for fucking hours and listen to radio noise. <gasps> like the noise what? between the stations. Yeah. Just what? You know, just just uh enjoying a little uh, you know, radio noise. Ooh. Oh, I like this part. Oh my god. Oh, stop. That like gives me like that like freaks me out. This man's fucking story it, it's just like a, a a David Lynch horror movie like come to life. It's like Oh my god, he's so freaky. Okay, so yeah, just picture Mr. Joseph Newton Chandler III, so-called, sitting there, just like smiling, just like listening to radio noise, like, oh, it's fucking creepy. So, another thing to let people know that uh, Mr. Chandler was a bit off uh, was that he once drove from Ohio to Maine, now that's 700 miles, 10-hour drive one way, to visit an L.L. Bean store. What? One particular L.L. Bean store in the state of Maine, because fucking who knows, but, (laughs) and here's the, so you think that's weird, okay, no, 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 that's not even fucking weird, this is the weird part of that story, when he got there, there were no parking spaces open, so he just drove right back, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's the weird part. Um, I, I just, <laughs> what, what What the hell is wrong with you, Joe? Like, come on. My mom does that when she goes to exercise. If there's no parking spaces open, she just goes back. Yeah. Because <laughs> she doesn't really want to go. Um, <laughs> no, because it's like a lot of effort. <laughs> she just like, just doesn't want She just it. doesn't like driving around a parking lot. Yeah. Well, I feel like, um, that's probably, hopefully the only... <laughs> Thing in common between so-called Joseph Newton Chandler III and your mom. Correct. Good. Uh, glad we agree on that. So <laughs> his, uh, Joe's uh, co-workers also said that he would just disappear for days, weeks at a time. Just off, exploring, doing his own shit. Whatever. We have no idea what he was doing. That's why this one is fucking so mysterious. It's the weirdest one ever. This may be the most mysterious one yet. Like, I truly think that. Except I can't remember all the fucking episodes we've done so far. Toynbee Tiles. Toynbee Tiles is very... But that one, we kind of got actually the answer to it almost. Well, we found out who was doing them. We didn't find out what those weird messages were. That's true. That's very true. And... 
um, Aunt Diane. Episode one. Yeah. What's wrong with Aunt Diane? An American car crash. Yeah. That's true. That one is really, really, really mysterious. I think about that. And there's that... one pretty recently, remember, that's kind of like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a future episode, I think. I... Once more comes out about it. I think about that a lot. About Aunt Diane. That case a lot. Yep. So, yeah, y'all, if you haven't done it, go back and listen to episode one. That's what we're talking about. Or you can and also... And or watch the documentary. Right. Something's Wrong with Aunt Diane. It was free on YouTube. It's like 45 minutes. It's really interesting. It's kind of confusing, if I remember correctly, but the, the, the documentary... Timeline. The timeline is a little confusing, yeah, but yeah, it's a yeah. good documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, getting back to Joseph Newton Chandler III, um, when he would get back from these uh, jaunts, his little holidays, <laughs> wherever Mr. Chandler would like to go, um, he would tell his uh, co-workers that uh, they are getting close. Hmm. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, just pondered what what the hell does that mean? They are getting close. Yeah. I, uh, who are they? What are they getting close Was to? Was this man ever I, diagnosed I, with anything? Uh, pro- probably. Again, there, I feel like there's a lot more to come out about this one, too. That's what, like, excites me about it as well. I want to get it, like, midstream. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, but, oh, I mean, clearly there's many things wrong with this person. I or wrong, or di- dysfunctional, or I don't know. I, I don't want to, like... We don't know yet what yeah. actually is, like, why he's doing any of this crap. I just want to say that mm-hmm. there's this thing called Google Alerts. Oh, yeah. And you can, like, put in... Right. Well, I put in Golden State Killer. Right. So it'll, like, give me notification if there's, like, a story about right, right. with that contains those words. Which this one did. Or the one I mostly got. Is that from. how you got this? Yeah, stop from. Sorry. Is that how you got this? Uh, no. But the story about it that I mainly took from, I'll do my sources at the end, mentions the Golden State Killer. We'll, we'll, we'll see in uh, just a second here. Okay. Excuse me. Boy. <clears throat> That's something I would normally edit out. Coffee. <laughs> that was the coffee uh, talking. Um, so when uh, Mr. Chandler, air quotes, air quotes, mm-hmm. pulled the trigger through the roof of his mouth and blew mm. his fucking brains out. Um, he did leave a few things, right, for the investigators after they found his badly, badly, you know, rotting, Lush. mushy, gross, disgusting corpse. Got it. Um, one of those things was $82,000 in a bank account. What? Right. Hey, you don't got no friends. You're not going down to B-dubs and spending it on beer, right? You can just save it in your bank account. Um, he also left behind a rental agreement. On which he had listed that he had a sister named Mary Wilson who lived at a particular address. But when the police went to that address, it was a vacant lot. So, no, <laughs> nothing really to see there. <laughs> Clearly, it was all fake. Um, the only other information that investigators had to go on was the official name, Joseph Newton Chandler III, the date of birth listed, and the social security number for the dead man. But when they traced that information, it didn't lead to this guy. It led to a little boy who had died in a car accident at the age of eight on December 21st, 1945. What? In either Sherman or Weatherford, Texas. There's like different reports. One of the mysteries within the mystery. Where did this little boy even die? I don't even know. Is this guy an alien? Maybe he's a man in black. Last podcast on the left talking about men in black right now. That's a possibility. Alien, maybe. We'll get to the theories at the end. Because it's a mystery. Um, Or because that's how I structured it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, what uh, Mr. Chandler also left behind uh, was a pile of ashes. I'm doing air quotes about a billion times this episode, (laughs) which you cannot see. Um, Shouldn't have done it on that one. Um, Was a pile of ashes because he was cremated. And a small medical sample uh, from a medical procedure that he underwent in uh, the year 2000. So investigators used that small medical sample, which had been, you know, fairly well preserved. Um, from that, they were able to isolate a usable DNA sample. So they did a DNA sequencing and they checked it against like a bunch of D- DNA databases, you know, criminal databases. Uh, but they didn't get any hits. So that was also a dead end. They then consulted an expert 
named Colleen Fitzpatrick, who used Y chromosome data to make a genealogical search mm-hmm. like they did with the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. That's where he comes in, that fucking bastard. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> um, so they basically used GED match, that database, the same exact one that they used for the Golden State Killer, to find an ancestor of the dead man uh, from the 1700s, whose last name was Nicholas. They then spent several years um, and worked with a different organization, or a private organization or something, I forget what it's called, um, to do genealogical research to identify Alpha and Silas Nichols, who lived in Indiana, I believe in like the mid to late 19th century. And from there, they found a living relative. Okay? Okay. And his name is Phil Nichols. And they brought a picture of the dead man to him and said, hey, do you know who this man is? And he said, yes, that's my father. (gasps) And then they knew who it was. They knew who Joseph Newton Chandler III, air quotes, air quotes, actually was, was Robert Ivan Nichols. A completely different man who had been born on September 12th, 1926, and actually earned a Purple Heart as a firefighter oh, on so the this USS. this was like an old dude. Yeah, this was a, he was 76 years old when he died, if I didn't mention that at the beginning. I, I had it on my write-up, I should have. Um, so yeah, he was 76 when he died in uh, 2002. Um, but back in World War II, he had worked as a firefighter on the USS Aaron Ward, uh-huh. which had been bombed by the Japanese. And he, he like, got uh, injured and received a Purple Heart. Um, but when he got back to the States after the war, he actually burned his uniform. So what does the fact, you know, what the fuck does that mean? I, 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 again, no idea. Mystery within a mystery. Um, so he then got married in 1947 and had three sons. After that, he worked variously, as like I said before, a draftsman and an engineer, um, over the next about 15 years until he left his family in 1964 and divorced his wife and told her that she would know why in due time. This guy's always saying, like, (laughs) random cryptic shit. I don't know. I'm so confused. Um, Like, confused about the story or what? No, just, like... Oh, this yeah. This guy's nuts. I know. Like, what? what is any... Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so fucking crazy. So he did keep in contact with his family at first um, and briefly moved to Dearborn, Michigan and worked in the car industry until he then moved to Richmond, California the next year in 1965. And then he sent one letter to his parents and one letter to his son, Phil, who would later positively identify him containing one penny he sent a letter to his son containing one penny uh, yeah let's, i want you to explain my face right now i just like <laughs> <laughs> like let's all just take a moment just just ponder what the fuck could that why for what purpose is it some sort of symbol is there or... it a specific year what do you, do, <sighs> did they talk about that no no just that was all it was so another mystery of many <laughs> um so after that he lived uh and reported to the irs that's kind of how we know under his real name nichols until 1976 and no one knows, again, why he then stole the identify, uh, identity of the little dead boy, Joseph Newton Chandler III, uh, or how he even, like, found out about him. Yeah, or, what like, the hell? knew anything, like, to do this. Like, who, like, how did he even know, right? But, however, like, that why or what. There um, was a trigger in there somewhere. Yeah, there's, like, Something some hidden happened. connection. Yeah. Find out. Let's let's figure it out. You do it, because we're busy people. Um, and then he went to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. That's where he, like, stole the little boy's identity. Again, not sure why. Uh, from there, he requested uh, Joseph Newton Chandler III's birth certificate through the mail, got it, and then applied for a Social Security card using that. Yeah. So this is basically the scheme 
that um, is detailed in like um, oh, what's that movie? You can just you can't just get anybody's birth certificate. At the time, I think you could. You could just like Jesus. literally send a letter and get it. Because I remember in um, fuck, what's that movie called? Um, the um, I can't think of it right now. Never mind. A part I would have edited it out. Um, oh my god! <laughs> this is raw, people. Come on. Uh, so after he did all that and like stole the identity, he then moved to the Cleveland area and lived and worked as Joseph Newton Chandler the Third for the rest of his life. He got laid off from his job in 1997. Not really much more is known about like him or what he did or anything. And just lived in, like, obscurity, completely friendless, as we talked about before, until he did commit suicide. Um, and there were, like, you know, a lot of theories about who he was or why he did this. Like, clearly he was trying to cover something up. But what? You know? Um, I think, you know, obviously the first thought is, oh, was he a serial killer? You know, did he murder someone? Because um, that's, like, I mean, why else would you just do that, Right. What do you think, Chloe? I have no idea. Do you think is aliens your best guess right now? I just think that he's crazy. Yeah. I just think there's some kind of disconnection somewhere. In his mind. In his mind, yeah. Maybe. But that is just... Hmm. Because I did, you know, I did read about... Remember we were talking about that one time, that weird, um, like, m- mental condition or whatever, where you, like, don't think that your your family is your family. You, like, think they're, like, copies of themselves. Oh, yeah. Remember we talked about that? Maybe it was like that. He just, like, he had to get away from his family and, like, hide his identity because mm. he thought they were, like, pod people who were going to kill but him. But that doesn't explain the suicide. It doesn't explain the pennies. It doesn't explain yeah. the, weird, the other weird shit that he would just but do. But if you have that delusion, maybe there's, like, other... Del- maybe that's, like, there's a comorbidity there with, like, some other kind of, like, psychosis or delusion. I think he has some kind of specific delusion that's yeah. been going on for a long time, especially since well, you said... Uh, he was in the war. True. And clearly something went on over there that, like, maybe was, like, the seed of this. Yeah. Because he burned, like, it mentioned that, like, on Wikipedia and the article I read, that he, like, burned his uniform after yeah. he got back. So, like, why? Like, what, like, maybe something happened when that bomb went off? He got, like, some kind of brain injury that manifested a mental condition like years later or maybe he like knows something that he's not supposed to know maybe it has to do with driving him crazy some kind of like occult knowledge or something yeah maybe he was abducted what was that world war one world war two world war two some world war two secrets or some shit right he knew too much i don't know (laughs) there are also people that um think he could have been the zodiac killer because it like kind of matches up Right, he okay. lived in California. He he like did this in like 1976. Yeah, um, he would be gone for days and weeks at a time, and he sort of kind of mm. looks like the sketch. But the police at this point are basically saying like they can't confirm or disconfirm it. Like, yeah, there's not really anything to point them towards it or away from it. So it's like one of those things. Like, but maybe that'll end up being it. You know how all these DNA like uh-huh. stuff is coming out. Yeah, do they have a sample of him? The Zodiac Killer? Yeah. I don't... I've never heard of that. I feel like I probably would have, but that's a good question. I do not know. It's (laughs) a mystery. Ooh! What if they did? Um, Then, presumably, they could, if it was a good enough sample, get a Y chromosome analysis. Can you imagine? Yeah. Is it... I mean, it's gonna, like, be, like, fucking Minority Report someday, right? Like, we're just gonna, like, know future crimes. Like, I'll tell you what your grandchild's gonna do. Your grandchild's gonna be fucking nuts. What? Yeah, not really, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the U.S. Marshals are looking for tips. So if you know anything about who this fucking guy actually was or any of this, probably not. But hey, putting it out there, you know, give him a call. Send him a text. Hit him up on Snapchat. You know, st- swipe right on Tinder. Uh, however you want to get in contact with the U.S. Marshal Service. Okay. 
to see, you know, if you got some, maybe some ideas. You know, flood them with stupid shit. I don't care. Um, not my responsibility. So anyway, I got my information for this mostly from a story by Kyle Swenson on the Washington Post. And that's how I found out about it. And then also a lot of stuff from the Wikipedia page, Joseph Newton Chandler III. And also by a sto- uh, from a story uh, by Chris Mosby on um, Patch, which is out of Cleveland, Ohio. Yay. And that's my mystery. Okay, there's about to be a lot of noise because I'm going to switch. Okay. Prepare for the noise. Well, maybe. We're switching it up. Sometimes you say there's like, oh, that's going to like make so much noise. But then like I right. listen back to it and it's like fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, well, I wouldn't say anal because like it's still off my fucking phone. I'm like, you know, whatever. That's hey, our appeal. We're a lo-fi podcast. Yeah, if you we're don't, a you know, lo-fi podcast. If you don't like so. it, still listen to us, please. <laughs> So, um, if you give us money, we'll buy better equipment. <laughs> so I am going to talk about a thingy and that it's not really a, a, a mystery, but it's a, it's a thingy. I'm going to talk about um, a cult. <laughs> we're supposed to talk about mysteries. I'm going to talk about a cult. Okay. Called the Oh, Yaki. a cult. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying a cult. Like the no. word a cult. Okay. A cult. About, uh, called Yahweh Nation. I have not heard of that. Okay. Let's get into it. Mario. (laughs) It sounds fucking interesting. Mario, get buckled. Strap your seatbelts in because we're gonna... Okay. We're gonna talk. Let's do it. So, let's talk about... Okay, so actually what I did was I... This is me retelling the episode of... Um, people investigates cults on okay. investigation discovery about Yahweh Nation. Everyone loves the ID channel. I I figured out how to log on to it, Ooh. so now I can watch it anywhere, anytime, anyway. <laughs> anytime, anywhere, anyway, anyhow. So this was a crazy ass cult that was active in the um, late seventies, eighties, and. Ended maybe in the late 80s and early 90s. Okay. Um, it was started by a man named Hulin Mitchell Jr. Um, another junior. Yep, another junior. He was uh, born and raised in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. Um, and he grew up in the 40s and the 50s. So during this time, he like experienced a lot of um, racism and... Oh, so he was black. Oh yes, he was black. Oh, yes, okay. that's very, really important. But, okay, <laughs> okay. The, the main, the main. <laughs> You're burying the lead here, Chloe. The main thing about this cult is that um, they, there aren't that many black cult leaders. They believe right? that um, that God was black, and like it, that black men are like the superior, and we'll get into it. Huh. So he he joined the civil rights movement and you know, protested and he saw all these things and he ended up thinking. He thought that black people needed their own religion to reflect their power and their glory. He wanted he wanted to be to be separate. He felt like we're going through so much so many things, so much so much unique um, problems that are present to us as African Americans in this time period, um, that we we need something else. Okay. He was a captivating speaker. Um, he was charismatic. He had the ability to manipulate the media. Um, so he moves to Miami in 1976 and starts reading the Bible. Changes his name to Oak Moshe which means Brother Moses in Hebrew. Mm. Um, so this is where he settles, he, settle, he settles down and starts a new religion. He calls it the Nation of Yahweh. So basically, he just like thinks he's God. Good for him. You know, everyone should have some self-confidence. That, I appreciate that. <laughs> that's how it basically starts. 
Um, he changes his name later uh, um, again to Yahweh ben Yahweh, which means son of God. So that's what I'll call him from now on. Yahweh, because he has three different names. We'll call him Yahweh ben Yahweh. A holy trinity. Yeah. Of names. And during this documentary, they had um, like quotes and stuff from him. Uh-huh. And one of them is, I'm the one the whole earth has been waiting on. And like crazy <laughs> shit like that. I am the X Factor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also... Uh-huh. He was <laughs> sorry. I you're like totally I have, failing. In okay, I have the two fact that you're opening a new page. <laughs> and one was how I'm going to tell it in order, and the other was just the information that I got. Anyway, I can tell you did a lot of research for this one. I did do a lot of research for this. Um, yeah, black people needed their own religion to reflect their power and glory. Blah blah. blah. Um, so. Like I said, he moved to Miami in 1976, and during this time, um, there was a lot of violence, a lot of drugs, a lot of um, racial tensions between citizens and the police. And it was also um, after four white police officers were acquitted of of beating a black motorist to death. Mm. So there were riots and protests um, all the time. And so... The more things change, the more things stay the same. Yes. So basically what he did, he used the anger of the community to 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 gain a following for his beliefs. Mm. So he believed that black people are the chosen people of the world, the real Jews of the Bible. He quoted Job 3030. Um, he talked about. Uh, What's Job 3030? I don't I I meant to look it up. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, Sorry. I know. It's. um Yeah. Job thirty thirty, and he, he talks about. I think he said revelations. There's one. There's one that like there's like revelations, and then there's res. No, not resurrection. But what what do they say? Um, that basically that um, it's like evidence that God was black. So in Revelations chapter one, it talks about how uh, Jesus had like uh, woolly hair, and and Job thirty thirty is my skin turns black on me, hmm. and my bones burn with fever. Okay. Yeah. So that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so essentially, black Jesus. Black Jesus. Black Jesus. And that. He is the real... Cooler than white Jesus. Way cooler than white Jesus. Anyway, except, (laughs) you know, this is a bad dude. Anyway. um, Right, not this guy. (laughs) So, beginnings. The beginnings of this cult. So, Yahweh would preach to groups of people all over Miami um, as he started to gain more of a following. Mm -hmm. So... He had clat like classes. So I'm going to talk about a man named Khalil, who was a former um, follower of the Yahweh Nation, and he is like it's kind of told through his point of view, the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the beginning, there was these three-hour classes that were done twice a week, um, and Khalil would take part in those classes and what happened was it was just him and Yahweh sitting and talking about their lives and their problems and this that and the other thing and Khalil talks about his absent father and Yahweh says well now you're my son don't worry about it anymore Mm. so that is what like the hook was yeah. he was playing on people's weaknesses and doing shit like that all the time typical cult behavior typical cult behavior yes yes um and by 1980 he had 200 he had 200 members 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 so he had 200 members out there so yep, yep, yep. stop so let's talk about khalil <laughs> <laughs> um his mother died from breast cancer. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, when he was 19. And like I said, he kind of had like an absent father. Right. Um, so he 
was also somebody else who was like down on their luck and um, really, really young. And he was looking for some, something else, some kind right. of um, concrete thing to hold on to. Right. Some, some, some answers. Um, so he joined after one of these meetings with Yahweh. And all he, after that, he, he like quit his job and everything. All he wanted to do was read the Bible and listen to the te- teachings of our main man, Yahweh. Mr. Yahweh bin Yahweh. Yahweh bin Yahweh. It's fun to say. Yahweh bin Yahweh. Yahweh bin Yahweh. Yahweh bin Yahweh. Yahweh bin Yahweh. Is that what they would do? Like chant his name and shit? Um, they would say praise Yahweh. Oh, okay. Yes. Bullshit like that. So, nice. um, in June of 1980, Khalil married his girlfriend. Um, and three months later, they were pregnant. And they were both pregnant? Yes. Oh, it's it's a miracle. It's like kind of weird when people say that. Yeah. So, so um, <laughs> yeah. Yahweh made them give a home birth. Ooh. And what he stop reading. I hate sorry. when you do that. Sorry, sorry, go I hate on. it when you do that. I sorry. did that to you too though, so sorry, go on, go on, go on. Um basically what he gathered other women who are part of who are his followers and he called them midwives, but they weren't midwives. They oh. didn't know anything. They had no medical training, no nothing. They didn't know what they were doing, they were learning from a handbook. Um, but I mean, the birth was successful and oh. he had a daughter. Okay, good. I was like really afraid that it was, there's something was going to go wrong. It, it's just like an example of his power. Right, right. And the, like how the total control he had. Over yeah. Him. And how it started early on. Mm-hmm. So let's go into how it expanded. Like most cults, donations were given. Of course. People started You must give him. your tithe. Give your tithe. Um, it wasn't something that was mandatory, but it was something that was um, looked down upon if you didn't. Sure. Because you were receiving all of these things in return, supposedly, whatever. Why would you be so ungrateful not to then give in re- return all, all your worldly possessions? Yes, yes. So, a la Scientology. So they... Um, Eventually, we're making lots and lots of money. They bought mm-hmm. an abandoned warehouse in December of 1980, and it was called, they called it the Temple of Love. So, what they did was they, they renovated the whole place. It was like this, kind of like this dump, and they built offices. And they call them offices because where the, the Temple of Love was located, it was in like a commercial zone. But these offices were basically bedrooms. Um, it was an unsafe area, this neighborhood, um, lots of violent crime, drugs. Um, but they cleaned up and renovated the Temple of Love until all of their, lots of their followers would be living there. People quit their jobs and lived full time at this temple. Initially, there were 40 to 50 full time workers who lived there um and khalil was was one of them they would publish pamphlets and spread the word like out on the streets um and i guess life in the beginning was was pretty good it was pretty simple but um one day a week they had something called the day of atonement which the Day of Atonement doesn't sound good. It's not good. I'm sensing that this is probably not a positive thing. Is not that, at all. Am I correct in that? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Just making sure we're on the same page. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Although yeah. I'm not reading. Yeah. 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 yeah um. Yeah. There, the Day of Atonement is a 24-hour period of fasting, and that's just what you did. Other than that, you were just doing whatever it was you were told to do, and it usually had to do with um, cleaning up the place and renovating and all kinds of stuff and spreading the word and doing this, that, and the other thing. Um, During this time, Yahweh mandated men to be his security. So he basically, like, got together 
chose like 10 of the like strongest men and asked them to be his guards. They were called the Circle of Ten. Um, they were his personal bodyguards, and each of them wielded stainless steel machetes. What? Yeah. That's kind of cool. So they would just walk around <laughs> with fucking machetes. It's not cool when you keep when I keep talking. It's okay. It's bad. Okay. It's bad. Okay. Okay. Um, it cool in the sense that it's if cool it were in the in action a, movie sense, it, that's exactly what I was gonna say. If it were like a Quentin Tarantino movie. It you'd would be, be cool. like, you'd be like, oh, that's pretty like, dope. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how we keep things positive on this. Right. So, um, like I said, Khalil lived in the Temple of Love, and he was also a guard for Yahweh. One of the things that uh, they did, this is what it was like. So, in 1981, all of the men who weren't circumcised were forced to be circumcised and um they believed that Yahweh knew all and that God would take care of everything um so it's not like they you know went to the hospital or anything they didn't get a a rabbi to perform a bris on these fully grown men no it was drop your pants Khalil was part of the quote-unquote he was already circumcised so he was part of the quote unquote, circumcision team. Uh, yeah, fuck oh my that. Fucking god. Fuck that. So that was a huge test of loyalty. Um, Stupidity. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. People aren't dumb for falling for these things. I shouldn't say that. That's what's so scary about cults is that anybody can fall for Ex- that. That's exactly correct. Like it does not depend on intelligence or yeah. upbringing. Or, or prior station, like any fucking, you could do it. I could be taken in by a cult. You mm-hmm. could be, any person listening to this could be taken in by a cult. And do what last podcast on the left says. If you think that you are in a cult, just take one second and say, check please, and walk check the please. fuck out that door. <laughs> and you get out of that cult. Yes. So, yeah. If you're paying obscene amounts of money for something that's not tangible... Right, if they want to separate you from your family and not let you contact them. See, me and my mom were talking about what defines a cult. And then I said, it's a cult if they don't let you leave. Right. That's like the line for me. Right. If you don't have your own freedom. And think about all the cults that you can think of. Is that not true of any of those? I mean, Jonestown, right? Uh, uh, Scientology. Yeah. Like, the family. You know, like, these are, you have, yes, a necessary part of a cult is that you separate the people. Yes. Because once you separate them, you get them into ritualistic practice, and that's how you control them. Or, and maybe you use drugs, you know, like, uh, like, um, Charles Manson did. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so, furthermore, in order to assert his dominance, he would do stupid like this reminded me of jim jim jones he would like make his own assassinations and all that kind of bullshit Mm -hmm. stupid motherfucker Ah, ah, he makes me my skin boil right anyway moving on from that (laughs) douchebag right um (laughs) so um yahweh did the same thing so during a a ceremony just a regular day of preaching a random guy comes up and challenges uh, Yahweh bin Yahweh. He challenges all, he challenges his teachings, and Yahweh responded, and I have this quote: "Are you some kind of fool? You have to argue with the books when you're in my presence." <laughs> so they had this like Bible off and stuff, and so um, again, what's his face? Uh, Yahweh bin Yahweh. <laughs> old mr what's well it's because i was writing this as the documentary was going on and some of it says okmosh excuse me okmoshi okmoshi and some of it says yahweh bin yahweh um but we're calling him yby uh he quotes job um and the it's quote gird up now like the lions of a man put his hand yeah that's what it says. Gird up now like the lines. <laughs> loins. Oh, yeah. Loins. Oh, yeah, sure. Loins of a man. You know, all Gird this, uh, up like the loins of a man. I totally read that wrong. Yeah, every, yeah. After mm-hmm. that, he like puts his hand out on the guy's forehead and the guy drops. 
to the floor. Another typical cult behavior. And they're like, oh my god, everybody's like, oh, la, 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 la. And <laughs> just like that. And, um. Praise be to Yahweh. We've been Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Oh, he's so good. He pushed that man down. Yes, Ooh, Yahweh. He yes. must be the God. Shit like that. Um, so obviously it was just some stupid, elaborate schemes and setup. Hoax. But it showed his followers that he had supposedly had this true power. It bring it brought his followers close closer to his teachings. Right. So as he gained more popularity, as did um as he gained more popularity, there's always the haters. So a group haters of be people, hating. a group of people, shake it off, shake it off. Okay, no, we're not going into that. <laughs> a group of people began to question his teachings. He called them the hypocrites. Mm. Um, also reminds me of Jonestown. Yep. So the leader of the hypocrites, his name was Carlton Carey. Um, basically, he thought Yahweh bin Yahweh was going too far with all of his teachings. Um, so he leaves, he officially leaves in 1981 after being in it for two years. He takes along his his family, his wife and kids, um, a man named Ashton Green, who I think is his cousin, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong, um, and 13 other followers. He, All of them left. Um, and what they did was they created a new Yahweh temple across town this was bad this pissed why does this happen every single time Yahweh anything cultish or religious like, because they ever still they still have that belief you know right but it's like they're trying to recapture the essence of the purity of how it began yes but i think what they're missing is that that never existed yes. in the first place exactly so in november uh, 14th of 1981. That's my birthday. I oh, mean, yeah. five years after that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Ashton Green comes back to the Temple of Love, demanding to speak with Yahweh bin Yahweh. He's like, dude, we got to talk. Let's settle this. I'll, let's talk. Um, and K- our friend Khalil, he was there at the Oh, hey, Khalil. Yep, Khalil. He was there at the time. Um... When Ashton Green came to him and he's, he's like, okay, well, let me go get some, like, my superior to, like, um, help because um, Yahweh actually wasn't on the premises. Like, he wasn't there. Um, and then came along top bitch Enoch Israel. Enoch Israel was the, um, like, number one security guard. He was, like, the head of the Circle of Ten. Um what happened was Enoch and the other guards ended up beating Ashton with a hammer until he was barely alive. They, um, got, they brought up, they brought out their car, threw him in a trunk and they took him out to the Everglades where he was eventually found beheaded. Fuck. Fuck is right. Um, when, the rest of the temple heard about this, rest of the community, it was followed with joy. And it was followed with joy because Yahweh was all like, God is helping us kill our enemies. He was like, this person is in the way of what we're trying to accomplish. And God has helped us out in this case. Yeah. Um, no. (laughs) So, furthermore... Carlton Carey and Mildred Banks, Carlton Carey, Carey being um, the leader of the hip, quote-unquote hypocrite, and Mildred Banks, who is also one of the former members, they make a statement to police about who they think committed the murder. Mm-hmm. Yahweh found out about this and was not happy. What ended up happening was he got his, he got his circle of ten to attack at their home. Carlton Carey was shot and killed. And Mildred uh, was shot, then hit with a machete, and she barely survives. They say that if, like, with the machete, if the blade had gone, like, um, an inch more, it would have, like, cut off her jugular and she would have been dead. But she ended up making a full recovery. Wow. Um, So she was put into witness protection and her identity was changed. So... Basically, they got away with a lot of crime, which, again, further 
certifies that Yahweh ben Yahweh is, is, is God. Um, because of the murders, none of his followers would speak out against him because right. they could, they saw what happened. Right. And that's what made it so hard to take legal action. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the congregation expanded, so did the money. Uh, at this point, they were getting tens of thousands of dollars a month. So they bought hotels, supermarkets, apartment buildings, even schools. That's how they expanded. What? So back to Khalil. In 1983, he was one of 83 disciples sent out all over the place to make new temples and to gain new followers. Um, he w- Khalil was only 23 at the time. So uh, Yahweh sent him out. Um, I think think he said like new orleans or norton or something like i couldn't like understand what he was saying oh this was like in that documentary in the documentary yeah but he went he went out to a different city he ended up gaining about uh 40 to 50 people um despite being there like on his own with just a box of pamphlets and like really nothing else wow um during this time he was kind of like um the 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 overseer of this little office and his followers and stuff. Mr. Manager. Mr. Manager. During this time, though, he was away from Yahweh and he was also away from his wife. So he lived a year in, like, freedom. And this is the 80s and he's in in the city. And that's when he realizes that this isn't life. Like, I, I, I want to leave. Right. Again, you must isolate people in order to control them. And at this point, he wasn't isolated <laughs> exactly. anymore. You exactly. You let them out. They always have the chance, just like in Jonestown, yeah. when they sent the kids out, they have the chance to see how other people live. And it's like, oh, fuck, I'm in a cult. Yeah. Check, please. <laughs> so when he was eventually called back to Miami, um, his relationship with his wife changed. Mm-hmm. Yahweh treated him differently as well. It was almost as though he was rejected. Mm. So back at the temple... Um, in 1985, a quota was implemented. So um, his followers had to go out daily and make $10. If they failed, they were forced to kneel for hours in oh. a place called the Room of Understanding oh my on a concrete God. floor. And there were guards watching and they would hit you with a stick if you weren't straight enough. So, this is also a common form of torture in third world countries. Right. Um, yeah, you that, can literally break your knees. Like, the your kneecap, you know how hard your kneecap is? Mm-hmm. You can literally break your kneecap. That's messed from, up. From doing that. That's so fucked up. Yeah. So, um, during this time, they were also continued to buy real estate. They bought old drug houses and they bought rundown apartments and they cleaned up and expanded the area. So that was kind of their to the outside world. Oh, look what they're doing. Like, that's right. so good. Like, thank you for helping us out and blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, by 1985, Khalil was like, I'm fuck. I'm out. I'm out. So uh, what happened was he like the last straw was that he didn't make his quota one day. And he had to go to the Room of Understanding and was like, nah, fuck this. Fuck this. He started to question everything. Mm -hmm. And they talk about in the documentary, they said the Room of Understanding was supposed to be a punishment. But for Khalil, it was like an epiphany. Mm. It did the opposite and made him be like, oh, this is fucked up. I need to leave. Instead of I'm being bad, I need to stay. So like I said, he left in 85. Um, His wife stayed um in the temple while he left and he also planned to come back for um his kids later he had a daughter and a son by now um so he went back to live with his his dad who was still as bitter and mean-spirited and unaffectionate as he was before but he let him stay with him until he got back on his feet so um they're expanding buying real estate uh the cult bought an occupied apartment in 1986 in Opalaka, Florida. And 
it was an occupied it was like a, a an apartment building there were already people in it they, they threw everybody out uh they basically made people homeless they threw tenants out of their homes there was no advance notice no mercy no nothing a man named anthony brown was like the fuck is this bullshit and um he's and he's one of the tenants there um who was being kicked out he spoke out publicly against the yahweh nation and death angels the bodyguards that were sent out to commit most of the crimes that's what they called them death angels ended up killing anthony brown and rudolph roussard um i thought that might be coming yeah yeah so killed two more people yeah so they um they found like the guy cowering in like some field his name's robert rosaire he's the one who uh, murdered anthony and rudolph and he was um on the like inner circle mm-hmm. of yahweh bin yahweh and his his followers um and he talked to the police and uh he confessed to killing seven people six for yahweh and one for himself <laughs> yeah that's pretty fucked up <laughs> um so khalil he he's gone he starts talking to other former members who have also left and he talks about how it's kind of like this puzzle and they start realizing other shit that was going on mm. that they had no idea about. He hears more stories, finds out more stuff. He learned about something called the midwife classes. The midwife classes were um, just the women. Um, there were no men around. It ranged from giving exams to each other um, or a woman putting her mouth on another girl's vagina to give CPR to the unborn child. That was the logic there. <laughs> okay. Which is so fucked up. That's very strange. Um, and like I said, they had a lot of quotes. Quote, how many of the sisters would mind having the king's seed? <laughs> he started having sex with all of the women in the cult. Typical. Typical. Cult behavior. Typical. Yes, very typical. This, um expanded. He started sexually abusing children as young as 12 years old. Um Not unheard of in cult behavior as well. Yep. And after hearing about all of this um and being worried about his his daughter that was still there khalil went to the fbi and he was like y'all gotta figure this out um the fbi investigator his name is his name is herb cousins okay and uh so that's the person he that ended up taking over and they had to keep it a secret at first Mm -hmm. um obviously because of the danger right so while all of this was happening the the organization was actually gaining more followers because Yahweh Ben Yahweh was amazing with PR. Mm-hmm. He knew how to twist a story. He lied to the media straight up all the time. Over over time, he was accepted as a great member of the community, and even the mayor gave him a key to the city. Um, October seventh, nineteen ninety, was declared Yahweh Ben Yahweh Day. Um, <laughs> oh my fucking god! And once the murders uh, came out and they Robert Rosier's name came out and he was a follower, um, Yahweh Ben Yahweh publicly excommunicated Rosier. It just to make himself look good. Right. So because of this, Rosier started talking. He told mm-hmm. the police everything. Mm-hmm. He told them how they were making millions of dollars and how they used extortion, murder and arson to keep people in line. Um, And at that point, they... What does that mean? It's fine. Okay. At that point, they had enough to go in for an arrest. Mm -hmm. So, in 1990, police surrounded the Montelay Hotel in New Orleans where Yahweh is staying uh, with heavily armed guards. Guards. So, what ended up happening was... Herb talked to ya- talked Yahweh into giving himself up. So it was kind of one by one. So he started with the bodyguards. The bodyguards are forced to disarm and to surrender one by one um, before he was f- 
forced to leave the room with his hands up and he, then he was arrested. After that, they coordinated a multi-city sting operation to arrest the other followers who had committed crimes. Khalil is the first witness to testify at Yahweh bin Yahweh's trial. Because of this, he receives threats on his life, and he also goes into witness protection program with his daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, 13 people are arrested and charged with murder, extortion, and a firebomb attack. Um, Yahweh and 15 of his members are indicted on 14 counts of murder, two attempted murders, racketeering, arson, and extortion. In 1992, Yahweh bin Yahweh and six followers were officially found guilty and sent to prison. He was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder and sentenced to 18 years. He served 11 and then was paroled. Yeah, tell me, explain that shit to me. Yeah, you know, justice system's not perfect. And, uh... He died of prostate cancer in 2007, 2000, who fucking cares? He's dead. <laughs> he dead now. He's dead. Um, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. Really. Did not actually end up being God. Hmm, you think? Couldn't have guessed that at the beginning. <laughs> at its peak, the nation of Yahweh had approximately 20,000 followers spread over 45 cities. Shit. And overall, their assets were estimated to be that of $250 million. Jesus. Yeah, well, you know, cult cults work in a sense in in order to, you know, steal people's money <laughs> and force them to commit horrible crimes. You know, if that's uh if that's the point of them, then uh I guess they work pretty well. It's sad, right? Oh, very sad. But I highly recommend that program. The uh People Investigates Cult. Oh, right, right, right. Good. Right, right, right. So was that your, that was your main source? Did you have any others? Nope. Cool. All there. Okay, weird so, shit. some weird, weird shit in the news. Weird, weird shit in the news. Weird. What, what? Shit. Wicka, wicka, wicka. Wicka, wicka, in, now word. In, in the news. So mine <laughs> is <laughs> a story from Time Magazine. Um, a road in Australia melted and destroyed driver's tires. So apparently what happened was there was this particular like road they had just laid down the whatever fucking what's that shit called? The uh, asphalt? asphalt? Yes. Yeah, yes. that shit. Uh lay, <laughs> it just laid down yeah, the yeah. yeah, I love it. Uh the asphalt, but it like rained soon afterwards. So they um like the the uh, gravel layer underneath it didn't settle properly. And then it got really, really hot. So the asphalt, like, literally melted. And uh, over 50 people's cars had their tires coated in asphalt. And they're totally fucked up and will not ever work again. Including a semi with over 30 tires coated in, like, a foot of melted asphalt. Oh, ew. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So are they going to get... Paid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The go- the government's going to compensate them. Um, probably the state or whoever like decided whatever. And, and then uh, you know, obviously, the good shit in the news this week. I mean, everybody's Yay! fucking following it. The Thai boys are home, and their coach. Um, so they were saved. All twelve. Um, it just just came out. Oh, 12 plus Twelve the... boys plus the twenty uh, five year old coach. Yeah. Um. Obviously, this is the feel good story of the year, if not like the decade. Um. That'll be remembered forever. When is the movie coming out? Right. I read a I mean, tweet that talked about oh, it's gonna be there's gonna be a movie, and Scarlett Johansson is gonna be cast as one of the Thai boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I hope the Thai boys and their coach get to play themselves in the movie which I think would be pretty cool like that one movie yeah um what's it called uh the it was like an Paris. attack the da 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 Paris I saw it in theaters it was really good I wanted to see that yeah I thought the guys did a pretty good job good. for like not being I mean one of them I think is like a, an actor but I don't think the other two are at all anyway um that's my weird and good shit 
Okay, I've got a weird shit. I get, I got a stupid. You, do you take a lot of weird shits? Yeah, man. Don't you? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I mean, we, maybe we could do a segment. You know, Mario and Chloe's stool samples. Anyway, go on. One of the one of the weird shits that I was gonna do, but I thought it was just kind of stupid, was that <laughs> Elon Musk like dare to be stupid. Elon Musk made like a little submarine, right? And, but they were like. No thanks. Uh, He's yeah. like, okay, well, I'm gonna leave it here just in case you guys want to use it. Elon Musk, you gotta horn your shit into everything. Come on. Okay. Why don't you work on your Tesla production line, ba- dude? So my real weird shit in the news is that uh, a burglar breaks in to um, an escape room and he can't get out, so he calls nine one one. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. World's dumbest criminals. Um, it happened in Vancouver, Washington, and uh, it was in uh, a place called the NW Escape Experience. He reportedly took a cell phone, TV remote, and a beer from the fridge prior to calling authorities. The sheriff said, quote, quote, the sheriff said he had a burrito and he was setting, settling in to have breakfast <laughs> and a beer, I guess, and then got scared because he couldn't get out. Rob Bertram, owner of NW Escape, said. I believe him. Seems like a credible guy. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty dumb. So, yeah. It's like that, remember that hearing about that cop? uh, You can, like, uh, look up the uh, 911 call on YouTube. He, like, smoked pot for the first time (gasps) or ate a pop I thought it was two of them. Or something like that. And he, like, thinks he's going to die. Yeah. So he, like, calls the cops on himself. It's uh, it's pretty stupid. What a guy. What a guy. Um, thank you so much for listening to us talk about mysteries. Yeah, thank mysteries. you. Um, keep listening. Tell all your friends. Tell your friends, please. Um, yes, we um, we so appreciate it. Oh, um, we have an Instagram page that Chloe's. Uh, put some pictures on so you can check that out. Uh, check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash mystery murdery thingy. Start a movement to give us money. Um, we would we would love it. Um, so, yeah. I think uh, we're probably done, right? Is that it? We done? Signing out. Yeah, we're still looking for a sign out <laughs> tag, right? <laughs> we don't need one. We don't fucking need it. Okay, bye. We just ramble at the end until we say bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.